we got the alternative energy right. free autonomy and welcome to the radioactive show produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the community radio network hello this is the radioactive show Today's show has been recorded and produced on Naitahu land in Ototahi, also known as Christchurch, on the South Island of Aotearoa, or New Zealand. I'm Emma Crunch, a radioactive show producer, and I'm currently living in Ototahi, Christchurch. Rosa Moywend, a West Papuan researcher, activist, and educator, spoke recently at a forum called West Papua, the Pacific Crisis We Can No Longer Ignore, held at the Workers' Education Association in Ototahi Christchurch on the 25th of June. Rosa Moywen was visiting Aotearoa for an Indigenous Peoples Conference and she was able to hold a number of speaking events on the side. I was glad to make it to her Ototahi Forum, organised by West Papua Action Canterbury where she spoke to a full room of people from the West Papua Action Group, a local United Nations group, churches and other members of the public. On today's show, I'll be bringing you recordings of her opening speech. So over to Rosa Moywend. Thank you very much. Um, maybe I better standing because when I see it, it's sometimes when we talk, our body is moving. So I think it's um, uh, with all the respects, I would like to stand up and talk. Uh, but before I start my talk, I would like to say kia ora for everyone. Um, in my mother language, we call koya uh, wane means uh, good night or good evening. Uh, also in some other language uh, from West Papua, we also call amakane, amole, ayua, wa, 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 kia ora. Um, I also want to acknowledge the people of the land. Thank you for coming, uh, for my brother who I just met today. Um, kia ora, thank you. And also for uh, people from the uh, for West Papua Solidarity Group in Christchurch, everyone who just uh, have time to visit uh, to meet uh, our you know our conversation tonight. So thank you very much for coming. Um, the video we just showed today, uh, or just before this slide happened, it's actually the video called uh, Sorong Samurai. Uh, which is a song or a campaign that we put on the song and video clip to reclaim the rest of the New Guinea island as a one big family. Because since the colonials uh, came to our big island of New Guinea, they divided us into three different parts, which is German New Guinea, British Papua, and the Dutch New Guinea, which is West Papua. So then people know that we are, uh, for many years they know that we are from New Guinea, so they always recognize us as a Papua New Guinean, which is fine, because in this map you see, there, the flag is only for Papua New Guinea, but there is no, the, the other side is empty, 
as if we are empty land. We come from the empty land. No people live there. But actually, there's uh, West Papuan people live there. And that is our flag, the Morning Star flag. Um, so the flag itself is actually representing the color of peace, the color of our faith. Uh, so the star is actually symbolizing or representing the God. God who we believe before the Christianity came, the star is representing the, uh, something beyond our uh, imagination. And then the red representing the blood, the courage of the people. And white and blue is representing peace, but it's also representing the ocean that's surrounding us. And then the uh, white is the uh, peace. Because we people, we live in the land and we live with peacefully. Um, there are some, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven stripes is actually representing the seven uh, customary territory in West Papua. So we have seven customary land, uh, seven customary territory. And in each uh, customary territory, we have the tribal leaderships with our custom and uh, with our, uh, the story of where we are come from, where our ancestors come from. So before the colonial time came, we actually live in, um, I don't know if I can say it peacefully, maybe it's not peacefully, but at least we respect to one another between one tribe to another tribe. We know our boundary. We know how to respect uh, to each other. So maybe that's a little bit background in the past. Myself, I come, my father come from the south, but you see on the south near, close to the Australian side, there is one little island there. So my father has come from the coastal part of that side. And then my mother has come from the same place, but a little bit further up to the highland. So I'm actually mixed three different tribes. So it means I have to learn about my mother's, my grandmother's, my grandfather's, and my father's language. So, but I only can understand two languages so far and also Indonesian language, because uh, at school we learn with the Indonesian language, and we are not allowed to speak our local language. So sometimes as a kids, when we speak not really proper Indonesian language, we sometimes people bullying us, other kids will bullying us, so we will cry and went back home and cry and then tell our parents, and then our, our parents usually said, it's okay, just try to speak, because that's their language. We have our own language. So since we are little, that kind of um, environment that I grow up. Um, okay, so I was given the theme by the organizer, West Papua, the Pacific crisis. We can no longer ignore. So that's the reason why I play that video, Sorong Samurai, as a first start to tell that um, you can have PNG at, or Papua New Guinea as a part of the Pacific. But, so why can't you have West Papua also part of the Pacific? Because we're sharing the same land. And our land 
uh, they, this big island is, uh, if you look at the island, it looks like a bird of paradise. It has tail, it has a... And you can't have the half of the bird of paradise, right? It means you kill the bird of paradise. You have to have the full bird of paradise. It means you have to have West Papua as well as PNG as a part of the bigger Pacific uh, nations. It means that West Papua is part of the Pacific. You, you know, no one can ignore us because we are part of the Pacific. We can't cut the island just because of the political reason. We can't cut the island just because we don't want to destroy our relationship with Indonesia. No, because we are part of the Pacific and we can't have the half bird of paradise. The bird of paradise need to fly as a whole bird of paradise. And I think that's the, this physically, geographically, it is very clear that West Papuan and West Papua land is part of the Pacific. Now, the question is why West Papua is always being ignored, or even no one really seen West Papua as a, as a part of the Pacific. Even we are very afraid of putting the flag and just identify the other side of the island is uh, West Papua. I think it's also because of the interest of economy, trade. I think I know that Indonesia is very strong country um, in the in the region, and um, they. Um, they want to be a big player in the Pacific, in Oceania, so I think all of us are aware about that. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, and today's show is a recording of Rosa Woiwend, West Papuan educator and scholar, speaking to a public forum in Ototahi, known as Christchurch. Rosa was in Aotearoa, New Zealand, to attend an Indigenous Peoples Conference. Let's return to her speech and a brief history of the West Papuan struggle. So a little bit back to the history. Um, in 1960, uh, 1950, so West Papua was colonized by Dutch. I think in the little brochure you have on, the, your, on your seat, you can, you can have the little bit background of the history. So West Papua was a Dutch colony. And in 1950s, when uh, end of the Second World War, and uh, at that time, I think UN... Uh, not uh, maybe UN, I don't know. But at the time, all the colonized uh, country was uh, need to be decolonized. So I think at that time, West Papua was was also preparing the process of decolonization, um, and the Dutch, as a colonizer at the time, or the administrative rules at the time, they uh, preparing us in terms of. Uh, administration structure and also other aspects like education. So many of our parents and grandparents actually went to the Dutch school and being prepared to be the next administrative people. So for example, like my father uh, went to the Dutch school and they prepared him to be a, uh, like a civil servant. Uh, my mom, a bit younger, so she went to the um, to the training, uh, 
teacher training school, uh, training school, and so they prepare her to be a teacher. So, so at the time, they, um, according to our parents, they they had really good education system, even though it's very simple process. But they were prepared to be ready to have their uh, own administration and and um, running the, their their own uh, systems. And then in 1960. Um, in 1961, uh, October 1961, I think, October or August, I should check the date, um, the U.S., the Indonesian government, and the Dutch, they, sign, they signed an agreement called New York Agreement. So New York Agreement was actually signed in New York without a representation of the West Papuan leadership at that time. And they decided... Um, they make the decision about our future without letting us know about what is our future. So, and then in 1963, uh, Indonesia, uh, United Nation, United Nation Temporary Authority handed over uh, West Papua territory because uh, during that time West Papua was under UN territory, and then they handed over West Papua to the to Indonesian government because they said that Indonesia will uh, look after us and prepare us to have our decolonization process. And then in, uh, in 1967, the U.S. company, uh, U.S. Uh, US president, and then one of the biggest mining company in the U.S., Freeport McMoran, as, uh, they signed an agreement, contract agreement, with the Indonesian government at the time, with the... Uh, to agree that they will have um, what they call it concession of uh, the rest of the uh, iceberg uh, uh, grassberg mountain because of the mining because of the gold so then since one thousand nine hundred and sixty seven they actually started the exploration and exploitation of their uh, my, uh, gold and copper and gold and now it's it's become very big. Uh, company, but also a big trouble in West Papua. And then in 1969, um, the UN conduct what they called Act of Free Choice. So it, it's a kind of referendum, but instead of free, it's not free at all because it was run by Indonesia uh, and it was monitored by UN. And I think it's also monitored by New Zealand representative and Australian representative. So we, we should check uh, to the uh, archive. Maybe we, we can find out who the representative is, was at the time. So the, um, the referendum didn't uh, happen according to the procedure, but it's actually they only handpicked 1,026 people to represent uh, some uh, hundred thousands of uh, populations, and they were being forced under the presence of the Indonesian military to choose to follow Indonesia. So that's that's the beginning of the conflict. So during that process of uh, uh, voting, 
outside the building, there was a bigger, big uh, protest and demonstration outside the building to reject the process of referendum. So since then, the, then the formation of the um, West Papua Liberation Army is also formed, and then some uh, political parties uh, uh, from West Papua started to form the political uh, organization to reject the, uh, the referendum and the result of the referendum. So that's, that was the beginning of the conflict that until today we can still see the demand of West Papua to be free and to have the, our own government is still very strong. Um, and even the Liberation Army, they still fighting um, and fighting in the jungle, especially facing the Indonesian military because uh, Indonesian military have very strong uh, presence and operation especially in the highlands where uh, a lot of natural resources, mining, logging, and this kind of stuff. So then every time they enter to the village, and then our uh, liberation army will come and try to stop them or even attack them. So that just recent incident, if you heard uh, incident in Duga recently, uh, actually it started since last year, December last year, uh, the, um, the army group, the Liberation Army group, they actually tried to stop Indonesian uh, army because they built the road in the middle of the, uh, of the mountains. Um, the reason why they stopped them because in that area is actually, uh, in terms of natural resources, uh, minerals is very rich. And we heard that um, the mining company actually want to expand the concession area. That's why uh, people rejected. And the Liberation Army, they, 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 they burned one of the uh, trucks of the workers and, um, on, and the military, uh, Indonesian military's uh, equipment in order to stop that uh, invasion. But... Um, I think the com conflict is still ongoing until now. And um, because of this, this conflict, Indonesian military actually uh, closed all the access to go to that area. And many people, many villagers, civilians have to uh, displace, so they have to move, they have to leave their, uh, their villages and then uh, stay in other places and like neighbor villages or neighbor, uh, even neighbor district. And um, it, was, it is the place in the highland with the very limited access. And uh, the weather in the night is just like winter in here. So you can imagine people without warm clothes and nice food. So many children, mothers, uh, uh, sometimes they have to walk like for two weeks or three weeks. And many of them are die in the, in the, during the time when they have to leave the, the places. Um, so we have, we, at the moment, we don't have exact data about how many people actually displaced because of this conflict. But because every time human rights NGOs or churches want to visit the location, the military and police will close the access. 
So they said that that's the secu- in terms of security reasons, so they don't allow people to go and collect information. So the only information that we can receive, uh, I mean the human rights organization can receive, is actually through the some of the church uh, pastors who has to um, run also, run away from the villages, and then uh, some of the family or members uh, of the human rights workers um, they give us some information about how many people, but in terms of data, we don't have exact numbers. So at the moment, I can just say like thousands of people, but I don't know what, what exactly the exact number. Um, among the women and men and all this uh, community from the village, there are about 800 students or oh, 800 children actually uh, live in the camp in Wamena City. Wamena is quite uh, close to the cities, to the big city. So they stay there, they stay in a camp. The camp was built by the local churches um, and uh, they have local volunteers also come from activists and even teachers from some schools in the city. They, they help and they work with, um, with the local volunteers and local churches to organize, at, at least make the good uh, settle for, uh, for these kids, these children, because some, many of them lost their parents, so they have to stay there and with the limited access on food. So uh, there are some uh, local support from people from the churches, but sometimes it's not enough because uh, in that, and because more and more people coming, so when they found out that there is a camp or, you know, camp for uh, people from Duga, this area is called Duga, then many more people coming. Um, recently, we have the visit from World Council of Churches. Uh, they had a big delegation, and they went to visit West Papua. And then when they did the visit, the military commander and the police commander were surprised because they didn't expect this delegation will visit the location. So then they came with all the intelligent officers <laughs> undercover, came and videoing and filming all the delegation members. I mean, I really uh, appreciate the courage of these uh, church leaders. Uh, but... In terms of the the rest of the human rights situation in West Papua, it doesn't really change, actually, unfortunately. Even though we had a visit, uh, or Indonesia received the visit of uh, UN human rights uh, commissioners uh, just recently, uh, last year, but then uh, Indonesia was promised that they will open access for the UN human rights commission to... Um, to visit and to conduct uh, direct investigation about human rights situation in West Papua, but it never happened until today. This is the Radioactive Show, and you're hearing Rosa Moywind, educator and scholar from West Papua, speaking to a forum held in Ototahi Christchurch in Aotearoa, or New Zealand. The controversial road that you heard Rosa speak about which is being forcefully laid through West Papua, is known as the Trans-Papua Road Project, causing thousands to be displaced. Rosa covered many more aspects of the West Papuan struggle in her speech and the question and answer time at the forum, including about the further dispossession of West Papuan land for agricultural and particularly palm oil purposes, 
the destruction of quilla forests and mismarketing of the wood overseas, the corruption of the Indonesian military and police who dominate the economy and livelihood of West Papuans and are only interested in protecting corporate interests. On this, I'll play a final clip of Rose's speech wherein she was concerned to make her New Zealand audience aware that their government funds the harmful activities of Indonesian police. The Australian government is also a funder. And I think also uh, in relation to the police, so New Zealand, a few years ago, New Zealand government has actually funded the police uh, community program in Indonesia. So one of the funding from the from the New Zealand aid, New Zealand government is actually went to the uh, to the development of the police uh, headquarters in Jayapura. So I found it out, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I went to the, I was really angry because you know, like, why instead of you know instead of uh, funding the police, why don't you fund our our young people to come and study? You know, that's that's much more useful. Because I was trying to find uh, apply for the New Zealand scholarship and I didn't get it. And then when I back to Jayapura, I found out that the money goes to the police uh, building, and I was really angry. But I mean, that was uh, one of the example. And then I think uh, the group in Auckland and New Zealand uh, working hard to push the government to stop the funding, and which finally they stopped the funding, but. Just recently, I also heard that um, uh, they they stopped the funding for uh, police community police, and but now they moved to the police training in Jaffa. So in Jaffa, they have one big uh, police training center. I forget the name; it's quite a difficult abbreviation. But that police uh, training center was actually funded by uh, New Zealand, Australia, UK, and um, Germany and the US. They have a like join program to train uh, Indonesian police to be more uh, professional, maybe. So in terms of I don't know why. So I think this is one thing that um, I don't know a lot about that information. But if um, any of you can find out that information, that will be very useful for us because um, we're trying to do the campaign against the police funding, uh, not only from here, but from other countries as well, the, the country that I mentioned. So if we have a kind of information that we can distribute and share with, uh, with human rights organizations, I think that's, that will be helpful. At least, you know, you don't want to have your tax money goes to the wrong one, yeah? Maybe it's good if you go, uh, tax money go to the students who really need some support. Rosa Moywend, asking the public in New Zealand and Australia to find out more about our government's funding of Indonesian police training. Rosa spoke at the West Papua, the Pacific Crisis We Can No Longer Ignore, forum, which was held in Ototahi, or Christchurch. Thank you, Rosa, for sharing your call to action with us. And music in today's show has been from the film Sorong Samurai. This radioactive show has been produced in Ototahi for 3CR Community Radio, which is on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in Fitzroy, Melbourne. We acknowledge their sovereignty, which has never been ceded. Our show can be heard throughout the stolen land we know as Australia on the Community Radio Network. Thank you to Friends of the Earth Ace Collective for their ongoing financial support of the show.
Share and podcast the radioactive show on 3cr.org.au and find us on Facebook. I'm Emma Crunch and here's to a nuclear-free and peaceful future. Destiny, so long, Samara.